Welcome to Core de Femme, a podcast for the femme perspective. There's an overwhelming and inundated male perspective that has been dominating global conversations on the human perspective since forever. From business to home life, education to reproduction, it's time to create more space for a femme perspective as we continue to shape the possibilities for a meaningful life. We think about the male perspective as that's who inspired the Bible, pioneered and structured our nation, wrote laws, governed laws, made money and allocated money, head of state and head of house. Even the female reproductive system was identified and named by a man, Gabrielle Fallopio, an Italian priest and anatomist. He coined the term fallopian tubes, which are commonly known as uterine tubes and ovarian tubes. But I think that just goes to show, like, as a woman, as a femme, our entire experience is often narrated by the male perspective. And we know that we need more female perspectives. All critical thinking requires every side to give an account because all sides paint a most accurate and complete story. So let's hear from her. Let's give her the mic. Let's give her a platform to tell her experience, her perspective, and in her own words, Welcome to Cor de Femme, where her story is the story. I'm Melinda with my co-host here, Tiana. Hi, everybody. How are you doing today? I'm doing really good. I'm really excited for uh, what we're about to dive into. So. Yes. Yeah. So this is going to be technically our first episode of our podcast. We have recorded several. We've interviewed each other. We've practiced interviewing our team, but... Our tagline for Core to Femme is, let's just talk about it. Let's see where it goes. So we wanted this episode to really be the Kickstarter to the future of Core to Femme. The future of this podcast is just talking about it, getting things off of our shoulders and putting the weight back where it belongs, somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. And just, just to touch on that too, you know, as much as we're talking about things, we're practicing listening as well and I you know the least you could say about why we even started Court of Femme is to create a platform to allow people to be heard and you know give a safe place to tell their stories her story yes and that is the essence of communication communication is fluid it's not static so when we're we're fearing communication, it's because we're trying to predict what's going to happen if we say this, mm-hmm. how someone's going to respond. And that's right. And how can you um, appropriately and wholly listen to somebody if you're thinking about what's happening next or what you're going to say when they're done speaking? Yes. You're not being present and absorbing everything they have to say and then thinking about how you can respond. Yes. You know, so the fluidity of communication is that we're just going to say it and see where it goes and respond. And that's the beauty of dialogue is that it goes back and forth. We're not here to, in this podcast, to be monologues where we're just sharing what we believe and we want you to believe this and this is how this was. We're just here to share another perspective. And in this environment, um, in necessarily this part of the area that we live in and possibly this town, there's a lot of perspective that does not include the femme. So this is what we're here for, is to bring light to it, make space for it, pass the mic to different experiences, to different people, to different voices, so we can get a more 
whole perspective mm-hmm. of who's in this community, what this community needs, and how we can continue growing and moving forward. So this title of this episode is Let's Just Talk About It. And it really began um, from, launched from this idea. This is an article from Forbes by Janice Gossam. And she talks about four ways to deconstruct systems of oppression. We'll have the link for this article um, when we launch the podcast. Um, but just to start identifying what an oppressive system is, it's a big word. It's like, you th- what do you think of when you think oppressive systems? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, of course, I always think about my mind instantly goes to the government. Right. Oppressive. Right. Big, big Pentagon yeah. conversations. Yeah. And then just, you know, when I think that, I'm like, well, that's a lot for me to understand. So I'm just going to stay here in the knowledge that I have now and be overwhelmed and maybe not think about it because it's overwhelming. But when you and I sat down this morning, you actually gave me the definition of oppressive systems and it yes. gave, offered me so much clarity. So yes. please, please share that. Okay. So the National Equity Project defines oppressive systems as any structure within society. So think, yes, government, of course, but work, home, school, institutions like marriage and friendships and relationships, um, any structure that you've built within society that allows inequalities to continue. So that could be anything. It could be anywhere. And Mm -hmm. so to really think of oppressive systems as, well, this is how I learned. This is how we do things. How many times have you heard that from someone? Well, this is the way we've always done things. Right. <laughs> that yeah. means there's been a rule. That mm-hmm. means there's been a structure. Yeah. Or or even just a common knowledge. You know, there's certain people you talk to that you don't necessarily align with and or relate to. And they have an idea of how you should treat people. A common courtesy or com- common knowledge or just, just something you're just supposed to do. But that is so different to every person because everyone has a completely different reality, a different experience, a different um, expansion of their being, and they're not going to have the same common knowledge as you. So I say we just get rid of that <laughs> and start going by the facts and stories and other people's experiences and yes. learning and listening to those. So Tiana and I were talking about, um, I think he's a Greek philosopher. Pythagoras. And he was famous for one of his statements that said, man is the ultimate measure. So when we think about measuring our the quality of our life in relationships, in business, a lot of times we look at quantity. Well, how many friends do I have? Mm-hmm. How many likes do I have? Mm-hmm. Um, how much money did I make this year? Like this, those to us have been measurements. But when it comes down to it, Man is the measure. Mm-hmm. How how good of a partner am I? Well, I don't know. Ask my partner. That My partner is the measure. How good of a mom am I? Well, ask my children. Yeah. They'll tell you because they're the measure. Yeah. And I think that's that's been a rule I've kind of had for myself. It's a question that I ask myself to make sure that I'm, I'm okay. I'm happy. I'm being the best version of myself as possible. And the question I ask myself is if I die today... The relationships that I leave behind, would they feel satisfied, loved? Would they have, did I inspire growth? Did I encourage them to be the best versions of themselves as well? And that's, that's the measure I carry for myself 
is if, you know, if I'm doing good and I'm aligned, the people that I care about most are going to be affected by me in a positive way. Yeah. And if their answer is yes to that question, you know, the people that I value most say yes, you know, then, right. then I'm doing, then I'm doing okay. I think that's what I love so much about plants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because they don't say a word, but man, you, you they, do something funky mm-hmm. and they'll be like, I'm brown. Yep. Oh yeah. There's, and it's, they're all different too. I mean, I've got 15 plants in my house and one of them matches my moods almost like I know that sounds crazy and weird but I mean it's droopy when I'm feeling depressed and a little brown and wilty but it's lively and it blooms these little white flowers when I'm doing good it's actually clovers from the redwood forest oh my gosh I love it it's my favorite plant um but yeah just for example and then I've got my palms that only need watered you know once every two weeks but if I forget then they're just snapping and yeah they're moody oh my god and everyone says Okay, I just need to debunk this myth that the easiest <laughs> plant to take care of is the succulent. False. False. <laughs> I'm that so bad with false. those. I don't know why. I I am I am a chronic overwaterer. So they look at me and they're like, now here she comes. <laughs> and next thing you know, yeah. I just kill them all. I'm I'm the same way with succulents. But I love so. them so much, so I don't I just don't understand. <laughs> I know. We, we want them to talk to us and say, this is what I need. We want to be able to listen to the things we take care of so right. we can take care of them better. And this is something that um, my husband, Michael, and I do as a practice. Our backyard has a beautiful garden, which we never planted. We're just kind of the caretakers of, of an amazing creative um, landscape designer yeah. who, who started it years ago. But we've had to learn what plants need what because there's so many diverse ones so in the summer one of our favorite things to do is get our cup of coffee in the morning and do a walkabout and we just walk the backyard and look at each different plant and different foliage and say oh how's it doing does it need to be pruned does Mm -hmm. it need less water more water this one needs shade this one needs more sun and we kind of have this like evaluation and I love it so much because I used to do that in my career when I was Mm -hmm. directing a beauty school I was overseeing the teachers and the teachers were overseeing the students so my leadership was trickling down to the quality of life for our students so I had to constantly meet with my team and say how are you doing Mm -hmm. what do you need from me are you happy here and then of course I would offer things that I, I needed them to work on and also celebrated them for the great things that they were doing in their classrooms but one of my most favorite moments was at the end of our meeting saying okay what do you need from me? How can I be a better leader for you? What doors do you need me to open mm-hmm. in my influence, in my um, opportunity? How can I help you? So to, to, for us, like I've been home for a long time now and to do that walk about in the backyard makes me feel like, okay, yeah. I'm listening to the plants. I'm looking at them because what we care for is the measure of if it's thriving if it's flourishing mm-hmm. that reflects on our level of responsibility yeah. and leadership and it and, and imagine in a world a perfect world or the town you live in and the leaders that thrive here that you know of you see them on your social medias you see them in businesses you know the staples of this town mm-hmm. imagine if they treated the citizens and the communities that way yes you know so to kind of really go into our the meat of this conversation, um, we've titled this 
um, series of conversations with me and Tiana. Mm -hmm. And by the way, I just love talking with you. This is so fun. (laughs) Ditto. You're a great human. (laughs) Thank Um, you. We've called this the 86 list. And we kind of found these Instagram pages from big cities like, you know, Seattle and Portland and their Instagram page is called the 86 list. And it is people in the community who share their stories and experiences of people and places in their town where they've experienced some kind of oppression, where whether it's sexism, racism, discrimination, all the oppressions. And they publicly post the people's names and the businesses. And it's a way to get it out mm-hmm. because that is the definition of oppression is it continues. It's not changing. There's a, a blockage there. Yeah. So social media has become a great place for people to release the things that maybe they've released them privately with that person and it never went anywhere. So you go right. to the next step. Yeah. I was just about to say, you know, my first thought is, you know, isn't, aren't those platforms in a way doing the same thing, oppressing, oppress, oppressing <laughs> their, their growth and becoming better humans, better business owners, whatever. Whereas instead of ostracizing their business and their production, um, having that conversation with them saying, hey, this is offending this many people. I don't know if you know this. What do you think about it? Do you hear me? Can you change this? Right. But just like you said, you know, those conversations could have been had and were Dismissed. dismissed entirely. So, of course, you know, that's when you decide this person isn't doesn't want any of my energy, isn't willing to hear me. So I'm going to cut my energy off from them as well. Right. And ostracize them. Sometimes you just have to let go and move on. Right. Because it's not worth your energy to try with someone who's not willing to listen. Right. And that, and what I loved was a a poem from um, Audre Lorde, one of my favorite poets. And she really talks about all of these different oppressions of sexual harassment, discrimination, all different kinds of abuse and racism. And she says, these are all particular manifestations of the same disease. So if we see these behaviors as the disease, it's not people, it's not places. Those are just vessels where the behaviors get to continue. So what Tiana and I really want to stress and focus on here is that we're this 86 list conversations. We want to cancel behaviors one conversation at a time. And with cancel culture, it's about people and places because guess what? We're, we live in a time where we actually care about where we spend our money and who we support through these hard-earned funds. Mm-hmm. You know, We don't want to support systems of oppression. So if you are someone in a position of authority and if you are a business that hosts these, a lot of times you get the flack. But what we want to do is expose experiences, not people and not places, mm-hmm. so that we can help dismantle them. And we're not about the cancel culture. We're about the canceled behavior. Yeah. And, and encouraging, you know, growth from, from those behaviors. That's, that's the goal here is not to cancel anybody, but like you said, to cancel behaviors and inspire growth and movement forward. That's what we're all about. Yeah. So Janice Gossam. Yes. I'm saying right. Yes. Janice Gossam. Um, what she says is, from Forbes magazine, um, the number one most effective thing you can do if you witness, or I'm going to add experience, unfair or biased treatment is to speak up. That's the number one most effective thing you could do. Just talk about speak, it. Just 
talk about it. Yeah. Just release it. Get it off your shoulders. Put that weight back where it belongs, which is the person who did express it, right. who did create that, who has the authority to change what you've experienced. Yeah. And, you know, I think many people that are listening, especially people who have experienced something like that, are thinking easier said than done. Mm. Talking's not easy, mm-hmm. especially when you've experienced trying to talk about it in the past and you're dismissed. So, you know, as we move forward with this conversation and move on to the next parts, we'll, we're hopefully going to be explaining to you and helping you learn how you can express yourself to just talk about it to the right kind of people. Yeah. And, and talk about it in a way to get your point across, say what you need to say, no matter what it is, in a way that whoever you're talking to can hear you and perceive you. Right. So. And with speaking up, like, it, it's not easy. And unfortunately, that's there's so much fear around it. And the fear can be mm-hmm. internal. Maybe you don't feel comfortable using your voice. Or the fear could be external, where it is actually discouraged in your institution or your system that you're operating in yeah home workplace place of worship that you cannot share these things for fear of retaliation or gossip or offense because Mm -hmm. that has been the culture so if that's the culture it's going to keep you fearful of speaking up absolutely but speaking up is a practice and so when you're about growth, when you're conscious and you're ready to keep developing, it's a practice that you have to get used to. Yeah. And you think about affirmations and even prayers and intentions, there's something powerful when you speak it. You can think it and remind yourself these things, but when you look yourself in the mirror and you say them out loud to yourself, there's power. There's mm-hmm. power in your words. Yeah. They are living. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, for for an example, I mean, I there's... Something I experienced, wow, over 10 years ago now, um, very young adult, 16 years old. Um, I just, you know, had an experience with some oppression and abuse and I tried to speak up and, and it was with two different men actually. And both, both of them, different situations as well, but they happened in generally the same time. And, you know, in one situation, it was just an apology, and then it, it should never be talked about again. Um, but behaviors didn't really change, even though there was an apology. You know, it was just, I'm going to say what you think you need to hear, and right. then we'll just move on. And Com- A comfort level yeah. there. Mm-hmm. And then the other one, the, I don't know if he thought he knew what he was doing or what, but it was, he came across like he was trying to make me a better person by asking me to be more modest. But mm-hmm. the fact that my modesty was a conversation that he thought that he could talk to me about right. rather than a woman who was actually concerned and could make me feel safe. Or who was maybe a friend or someone who knew you. Yeah, some someone <laughs> <Imagine> that. <laughs> that could appropriately be talking to me about my breasts, not a man, period, ever. Right. You know, unless it's my husband, but I'm not, I don't even <laughs> swing that way. So <laughs> it's just, it was just not the thing I should be dealing with. So it's, it just, it all comes down to, um, you know, 10 years later, I, I haven't talked about that either of those situations until recently to my girlfriend. And 
now to you and now that I even have a safe space to just talk about it, not necessarily do anything about it because you know, it was so long ago, but the fact that I'm now just now learning 10 years later to admit it to myself mm-hmm. that that's what happened. That's what happened. That was the reality, yeah. you know? So now that I've admitted to myself, said, yes, this happened, I can now start the process of breaking down my emotions, how I'm dealing with it, how I can help other people deal with similar situations. Mm. So it's that first step of just talking about it. Absolutely. That lets me breathe just a little bit. Yeah. I feel that way. I've always felt that way about writing. Um, Ever since I was a little girl, I found a quote that said, um, sometimes paper is the only one who will listen. And I'm, I've always been outspoken. The problem is I don't always speak perfectly or I make people feel uncomfortable or maybe I reveal things that no one wants to be revealed. And so the response to my speaking was always rejection. Mm-hmm. And so I, I turned to paper because paper never yeah. edited my words. She just kept saying, here's another piece, here's another piece. Keep yeah. telling it, girl, keep writing it out. But now there's this shift when I speak about it. The problem is I've spoken up about different things and the response is always real heavy. It's still a rejection. I feel it's a rejection because they didn't accept it. Like there's an explanation or there's a reason for that. And it's such a dismissive way to not even say, I hear you. Mm -hmm. I didn't mean that. How can I do this differently? Like those aren't common responses when people speak up about an inappropriate or injustice. It's just not common. Yeah. One thing my mom always told me growing up is, um, you're arguing with someone or or expressing yourself no one can correct you on how you feel Oof. and I she taught me that when I was really little and I have just always carried those things with me and that is that's the great truth, power is say I that again say that again no one can correct you on how you feel because that's your experience those are your emotions no one can tell you that the way you're feeling is wrong or right they're just your feelings and they're okay no matter what they are that's power yeah that is so good and if you keep that in mind yeah you can continue to keep expressing yourself with the confidence knowing that whatever this person says in response whether it be positive or negative your feelings are justified period right period i heard i heard one woman's speaking in a ted talk and she said my emotions are not up for debate yes <laughs> like perfect. Oh, snap yeah okay absolutely and you know that uh that can be construed differently too is is how you express your emotions as well your emotions are your emotions no matter what you what they are but the way you express them and get your point across is what can experience growth or adjustments or whatever. Like I tell my girlfriend all the time, you know, we, we disagree often. It's healthy to disagree. We're different people. We have different experiences. We were raised differently. You know, we adjust to things differently. So when, you know, one of us gets a little toot or an attitude and just gets sassy, I, we remind each other what you're saying is not wrong or stupid. What you're saying is valuable to me. Mm-hmm. However, I can't hear you very well when you're getting really <laughs> sassy. Right. So how can you say exactly what you're saying now in a way that I can perceive you peacefully? That is the epitome of love right there. I mean, yeah. that is dialogue. Yeah. Monologue says, 
la 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 i can't hear you mm-hmm. one-sided I'm, conversations. i'm gonna talk and how you feel doesn't matter yeah like, that's the monologue and relationships that are stuck in monologue are there's a brown leaf somewhere yeah that's, <laughs> that's that's where things just get lonely <laughs> totally. yeah so speaking up as a practice and that also means that you're gonna do it imperfectly Mm-hmm. But that's why it's a practice, because the more you do it, the more comfortable you get. There is power in even identifying the words that reflect how you feel. I don't even know how I feel about something until I've written a page about it. Yep. I don't I can't even pinpoint it. I just write out my feelings and how how what it stirs up in me mm-hmm. in a really messy way so that I can identify the words that actually do represent how I feel. Yeah. So if we don't give ourselves permission and we don't give our loved ones, the people we say we love, our friends, people we care for, if we don't even give them the space to imperfectly speak up and speak out, how can we say we love them? Like right. that's it's it's just not fair. I think any yeah. negative response, any crippling, dehumanizing, dismissive response of someone speaking up is only a reflection of that person's ability to love and ab- yeah. ability to listen. Yeah, I love that. I wish that's something we need to all get better at, Mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. And just to emphasize, too, it's not ever going to happen perfectly. You know, I I was not raised to be a communicator. I was raised children should be seen and not heard. Mm. You know? Yes. My whole whole childhood, almost. So communicating healthily has been a learning curve for me, big time. You know, I'm 27 now. And my girlfriend and I, we've got a little bit of an age gap and just, just, I mean, just seeing my progress over years of time and lots of pain and lots of breakups, lots of arguments with adults and uh, authority figures, you know, I've, I've learned the hard way. I feel, I feel like, um, but with Emily, she's so, she listens to my stories and you know, she's younger than me, but she has grown, she's grown to my level in such a shorter amount of time because of my hard conversations that I've expressed with her and in her own experience as well. I'm not giving myself all the credit by any means. Um, but she's just so inspiring to me, you know, to, to observe the world around her and the communications that go on around her and, and her bringing up, she's, she's already recognized. I don't, I don't like the way I was raised to communicate, Mm. but I like seeing this and I like seeing this and I, I want to be more like that. Yeah. And I, I just love that about her. She inspires me so much. So, so it's just really cool. Both of us wanting so bad to grow and be better that, you know, we get in fights and we say mean things to each other sometimes, yes. but as soon as we say it out loud, we're like, whoa, I wish I could breathe that back into my lungs. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Let me figure out, give me 10 minutes so I can figure out how to say that in a kinder way. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And Michael and I are very similar like that. We are yin and yang. Yeah. I am passionate and fiery and creative and he's very steady and he's logical and he's Mm -hmm. calm. And so our conversations get wild sometimes, but I draw from him and then he draws from me because sometimes he should be mad. Mm -hmm. He should get angry about some things. And sometimes I shouldn't get so angry. (laughs) I feel that. But we also love and respect that about each other because that's our love. It's mutual. It's, we see elements that we want from each other. So it's balance. Yeah. Imagine if that was applied to all kinds of relationships, not just intimate ones, you know, like you, you were saying your relationships with your children, you 
our relationship in a, in a business endeavor, you know, yes. we keep applying that to our ch- each other and, and the other women and men that we work with. And just in general, imagine if we applied those things to any time we experience another human being, mm-hmm. you know, right. Um, something my son does and he's 10. He, we have a open communication in our home, which means you need to say what you need to say. You need to express it even if you don't feel like it's right or healthy or mm-hmm. positive. You need to get it out. And so we've created that culture in our home that my son's 10 and he's very tender. He's an empath. And so he feels things without even knowing what's going on. He'll just sit. A friend of mine had surgery and uh, when she came over to my house well, a couple of weeks later, she was still healing and he just went and sat at her feet and leaned his head up against her, almost like dogs know sometimes, you know, oh, when, when something's heart. going on. Yeah. My son's like that. And I can be very harsh sometimes with my words. And we have just this culture. We've created this culture that at sometimes when we're, him and I are getting into an argument, he'll just look at me and say, I hear what you're saying, but I, but the tone you're saying it in hurts my feelings. 10 years old, everybody. 10 years old. 10 years old. And, wow. I ha- and I've learned to stop in that moment because someone I love has shared that with me. Mm-hmm. And I listen and I take a breath and I apologize, first of all. I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I didn't grow up with parents apologizing for much. Mm-mm. Actually, no one in a position of authority that in my <laughs> upbringing in my world ever was comfortable apologizing um so i'm learning that and practicing that every day Mm -hmm. in as a parent that i apologized to him and i said it again i didn't change my words because the message needed to get across Mm -hmm. i just changed my tone and then we sat and talked about it a little bit in a softer way and Mm -hmm. so it's a practice and he's learning and that just i can rest knowing that he knows sounds like yeah what a sweet soul but that's the practice and so if we can start practicing these things more we can be better in relationship with each other so the idea of um speaking up as an 86 list practice Mm -hmm. or 86ing behaviors um there's been a lot of conversations we see this a lot on social media where you're kind of blasting somebody yeah. or you're blasting their business yeah i mean how many times has drake been canceled now oh my god <laughs> so right. just i mean that as an example we're not canceling people we're not we're not in the business of you know forcing people to take two steps back because we're putting them on blast humiliating them whatever we want to bring light to a behavior that is preventing them from growing and being the best version of themselves and preventing others from, you know, if they aren't willing to change, if they have a certain behavior that they want to stick with and it's hurting others in this community that we care about, we want others in this community to be aware of right. what's going on, you know, so they don't have to experience something that we did that hurt us and traumatized us. Yeah. That's all. It's like a notification system, you yeah. know, just like if something's going on in your gut, Sometimes you break out on your cheek, you know, it's just a notification. So communication should be like that, where we can say these things and they're received. Mm -hmm. So the 86 list idea is that if we speak about these things, we bring the space and the opportunity for change. Mm -hmm. How it's received is not our responsibility. 
If it falls on deaf ears, that's not our responsibility because we've offered an opportunity. And the opportunity is to listen, to do better, to maybe change your practices, change your systems that you have, that you've adopted. Whatever you've learned can be unlearned if the people around you are being harmed by it. So it's an opportunity. And that's what we see this as when we talk about these behaviors they're opportunities to do better, just mm-hmm. like you would with anyone you care about. You'd want to talk about tough things so that you can stay connected in a healthy way. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, this is exciting. I'm really excited to keep diving into this and and express to everyone, you know, the logistics of how to break this down, how to move forward, how how to take that first step and even just to admitting it to yourself. Some things that we we might think might make it easier for you and simply just offering this platform to allow you to speak up as well. That's what Court FM is all about is, you, you know, you with the next few episodes coming up, you'll hear a lot from Melinda and myself. You'll hear from the other girls that work at the Hive with us. Um, but we most importantly, we want to hear your stories. We created this platform mm-hmm. for everyone listening, for you guys that are listening. We want to hear your stories. We want to inspire those to speak up that need to speak up. Right. Because as I've learned, you know, like I said, I communicated, communication was never um, implemented in my life or encouraged. So now that I've had the opportunity and the support to speak up, I'm seeing the changes it's making in other people as well. So it's not just me telling a story or asking for sympathy or pity or whatever. It's, right. it's me sharing and being vulnerable about something I experience because I know there's other people that went through the same and they think they're alone in it, you know? Right. And they're not. And when it we, happens. When we hear stories of other people and we can relate and we can think, okay, well, what did she do about it? Right. Because sometimes I think we don't know what to do. I think that for me... I'm 45 and some of the biggest shames that I've had to really let go of is the fact that I was 40 years old and I had an experience of someone with sexual harassment in a workplace. It was also a religious-based workplace, so it's almost like one of those things where, well, that never happens here or it shouldn't happen here, but it did. And I was 40 and I didn't know how to identify it I knew something was inappropriate I knew it didn't feel right I knew that it was sitting on my chest and wreaking havoc within my body but I couldn't name it and so I didn't talk about it but when I did talk about it it didn't come out perfectly and so it didn't really go anywhere and it just sat with me and years went by a couple years went by and I finally, through healing practices and different things that I've done in my life to implement and bring out these kind of toxic little little hidden spots, um, I realized that I was most, I wasn't angry at this organization. I wasn't even angry at the man or the woman or anyone in an authority who could have done something about this situation. I was mad at myself because I didn't know that I was a victim of something. And two... I didn't know what to do about it properly, the, the steps I could have taken in the moment. And I felt mad that, who am I trying to tell anyone how to live if I don't even know what's wrong, you know? Mm-hmm. So I want us all to get more comfortable. I hope that our experiences that we share in this 86 list, whether it has to do with discrimination or sexual harassment or 
any kind of oppression that's kind of sitting on your shoulders or in your chest or wreaking havoc in your own mind, like getting it out is the first step. It's talking about it. Mm -hmm. And where it goes from there, that's for you to decide. That's for the person you're speaking to to decide. But you, you definitely come, when you speak about it, you come to a crossroad where you have to decide for yourself. Am I going to press this? Am I not? How are they receiving it? How is it affecting my life? How do I feel about this? Do I feel empowered? And one of the other realizations I had from that moment was who you talk to does matter. When you share with people who are not empowered, they don't know how to empower you. Mm -hmm. So you may sit with it longer than you need to because you don't have a circle of empowered women around you. Yeah. We want to be those empowered women for our friends, for our children, for our loved ones. So to do that means we have to listen and we need to know how to respond. If they don't know how to respond, how can we help you? That's just our goal, too, is to keep growing more in our own personal power so that we can be sources of empowerment for other people who, who've experienced it but don't know what to do about it. Yeah. Yeah. So we want to hear from you. We do. Um, we have launched um, with this podcast. We will have launched our Welcome, Instagram page. So you can DM us on Instagram at Court FM. Um, you can email us at hello at the hive cda.com. You can send any kind of a message in any way, any, any platform, and we'll get it. You can share your story with us. You can give us an idea of, hey, let's talk about this next because this happened to me. We leave out names. We leave out businesses, organizations. We're going to leave all that out because it's not about the person and it's not about the place. Yeah. It's about the behavior. Yeah. So we want you to feel safe to share these stories. But when we share them, that's how we can face them. That's how we can dismantle them. That's how we can identify, hey, this happened to me too. I didn't know that that was wrong. <laughs> I didn't know that that was illegal. Yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah. talk about it. So that's our jam. Yes, everyone. We are so excited to be talking to you about all of this, especially in a healthy and productive way that is hopefully going to be encouraging growth and movement forward and healing from whatever you've experienced um, in Coeur d'Alene or elsewhere. If you live here and you experience some, something somewhere else and, and it's just relatable to hear and what you're going through um we want to hear it and i'm really excited to it's going to be a whole learning process for me too especially going through the next few weeks really diving into identifying these behaviors these traumatic situations that have happened to you you know things that you felt in your gut were wrong but no one ever told you that that should not have happened to you and that mm -hmm. was not okay so i'm excited to go on this journey with all of you that are listening and become a better human being because of it um, and yeah, if you, if you have a, a relatable story, send the email, send the DM. If it's something that you want to be completely anonymous, drop it off by the hive. We'll, we'll find it, tape it to the door, slip it under the door, whatever. Um, or if you're feeling bold and yeah. you're feeling like this is your season to you be the one to talk about it. We, we absolutely want to host you. We yes. want to give you the opportunity to get uncomfortable and own your story and take your power back yeah. and talk about it. Yes. I'm very excited to get all the diversity on this and let everyone hear all your beautiful voices. So, yes. 
yeah tune okay. in we'll be on all the podcasting platforms with speak that's been hosting us we're really excited about this partnership and um, just so excited to partner with all of you so thanks for listening thanks for joining this podcast we hope you stay tuned and we look forward to many more uncomfortable fiery conversations where we just talk about it <laughs>